Fourth and final hour on this Monday afternoon. Darren McFarlane, Chase McCabe alongside. Willie D is up in the Motor City. We'll check in with him. Predators and Red Wings tonight. Little Caesars Arena. We'll check in with Willie before we get out of here today, later this hour. Don't forget, Preds fans, Smashville Live returns this Wednesday. And it will be at the Brew House South in Cool Springs. That's located at 18. 18- 55 Galleria Boulevard. That'll be from 7 until 8 o'clock. And this week's guest will be the former captain, Mike Fisher, who was in the house on Saturday mm-hmm. as the Predators were taking on the Rangers for a little matinee hockey this past Saturday. And Mike Fisher was in the house. You've got his celebrity clay shoot here in a couple of weeks. And uh, you'll have an opportunity to meet uh, Mike Fisher on Wednesday. Remember, Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, 7 until 8 o'clock. Plus, you'll have a chance if you go there to register to win two tickets to an upcoming Predators home game. Smashville Live is brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Red Spirits and Wine. Let's say hello to our good friend Scott Burnside, who covers the league for the athletics. Scott, how you doing? Oh, no. Scott there? I don't think we have Scott. We can't hear him. I hear noise. Put him on hold. Scott. Let's see where he is. They unveiled the Winter Classic jersey Saturday morning. I love it. You love it? I love it. I like it, too. I really do. Now, I, like I, I, I legit, I love it. I think it's perfect. It pays homage to the Dixie Flyers, yep. um, the first hockey team in Nashville, but it also adds you know something new with the the logo that they have on the shoulder and now seeing it on the jersey i really like how it fits i think it ties in um the white is just clean i just love a white jersey it's very clean and then of course the use of gold with the the script i think it's going to be the perfect look for them Um, i know dallas is going to reveal theirs i think here in a couple days Mm -hmm. Um, they've revealed the logo which which is going to look cool but um definitely something to to be excited about. I know they ordered thousands to yes. sell in the pro shops there in the arena, and my guess is they will sell thousands of those new jerseys for the Winter Classic. Let's see if Scott is on the line. Scott, are you there? I am here, and I was I was saying that I was disappointed. You don't call anymore. I thought I was special, and then you <laughs> mute me, and now you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hurt. Well, we're sorry, um, and you know we come in waves, and when we come in waves, <laughs> we call you probably too much. So, uh, <laughs> at, time, at times we want to give you a break, and we do appreciate always uh, our conversations with you. We were just talking about the Winter Classic jersey here in Nashville was uh, unveiled Saturday morning leading up to puck drop saturday early afternoon uh, against the rangers here uh, and uh, we'll be down there covering the winter classic you certainly have ties and are very familiar with the dallas area and the stars organization we're looking forward to it because neither one of us have ever well actually i should say the three of us have never taken in a winter classic and to, to be a part of 80 90 thousand people in the cotton bowl i mean that is going to be so much fun and we're we're less than two months away I, I and I love those jerseys. I, I actually watched uh, with with interest Saturday's game. It was an interesting tilt. Uh, curious about where the Rangers are at and as they go along. It wasn't probably the uh, wasn't a marquee event for the uh, Predators, but I've been really impressed with the the Preds thus far. And I love those jerseys. I, I think I, I I think they're outstanding. And as a uh, as someone who was actually at the very first Winter Classic in Buffalo, um, you're in for a treat. And and you know, 
kudos to certainly the the Nashville market. I don't know how they apportioned the tickets, but uh, you know, I, I uh, when they announced the Cotton Bowl as a location, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's a lot. That's a big that's a big mouthful uh, in terms of of ticket sales. And for me, the you know the danger with the NHL and all of the outdoor games, and you can argue, I think it's fair to argue that it may have you know sort of oversaturated with the stadium series games and the heritage classics uh, up in Canada that there's, you know, there's been a lot of outdoor games and some, you know, haven't been all that great. And the last thing you want is to have a big venue and not sell all the tickets or, you know, have gaping holes in, uh, in your stands. I covered an outdoor game in uh, Minnesota between Chicago and Minnesota. It was at the time the wild had like gone one in 15 and it was, you know, it was, it was still a fun event, but it was, it lacked something. But I can't imagine what it's going to be like on January 1st. It's going to be a great tilt. Uh, two teams that I think the Stars are finally getting themselves on track and, and uh, a nice little rivalry going back to the playoffs last year. And I think it's going to be a great event. With that being said, um, you said, and we agree, the Preds are sitting there 8-4-2 after their first 14 games to the season as they embark on this long road trip coming up this week. You said you like what you've seen thus far out of the Preds. What what do you like? Let's go a little bit deeper, dive into that. Uh, what have you liked thus far with the Predators through 14? Well, I, I mean, they're a team that, that, that can light you up, right? I mean, they have the top offense in the uh, um, in the Western Conference, second overall in the NHL in terms of goals scored per game. Um, and that's with a power play that, you know, the shades of, you know, I mean, the bar was set pretty darn low. Uh, for the, the team's power play, but there, I think you know it's there has been uh, there have been some changes. You've got you know you got change in personnel. Your coaching staff reflected that as well with um, the addition uh, on the coaching staff, and then of course you throw Matt Duchesne in. And then you take PK Subban out of the uh, out of the mix as well. I think it was fair to say, well, how is it all going to come together? It's not exactly where you would want. And like to me, this is a team that should have a top ten power play. There's no reason that given the the personnel that you shouldn't be in the top ten in the, in the NHL in the power play, but given where they were starting from, I think there have been some signs of life and some positive signs there. Uh, but I, it, you know, the offense is dynamic, and uh, uh, they're a fun team to watch, and uh, the, you know, they're getting uh, contributions from up and down the lineup, and you know, it'll be interesting as the season moves along. It, it, it's always it's always hard to tell. Tampa is the great, you know, the great shining example of that. That the way you play in October and November and December, especially if you're a high-skilled team, isn't and can't be the way you play in April and May. It just it can't, right? You can't do it. And so for me, it'll be interesting because I'm, I'm sure that the Preds aren't exactly where they would like in terms of their team defense. They're sort of middle of the pack, a little bit lower than that. Um, so I'm sure that they would like to be a little bit better than that in terms of the goals allowed per game. Uh, sorry, I think they're 12th, actually. So they're a little bit better than uh, middle of the pack, but, but not where we have seen them, which is really a top five club. So that will be interesting for me to see as the season moves along if they can, if they tighten themselves up while still being, you know, still being able to, um, you know, produce the kind of offense that we've seen through the first months of the season. Let me ask you for a guy who's covered the league for a long time, just kind of where you are on with some of these shots we're seeing in today's game, because obviously if this was 10, 15 years ago, you know, we would just talk about it nonstop, but we're seeing it so much now. And it just shows you the level of athlete 
that is now at the NHL level. But, you know, the Predators had a heartbreak loss last Thursday to Calgary here where they were in control in the third period and the Flames came roaring back and it ended up being a wild and crazy game that had the Predators lose 6-5 in overtime and Matthew Kachuk had just a sick goal with just over a second left in overtime. And ironically, the game before that, Calgary was in Carolina taking on the Hurricanes, and they had a lacrosse goal scored on them. We had Sonny Milano for Columbus right out of the gates to start the NHL season. In other words, we're seeing these crazy shots by these players now all the time where I hope we don't ever get numb to it because I still think they're they're fantastic. But for a guy that's been around the league as long as you have, what what do you make of just the the level of today's you know, NHL athlete and, and some of these shots they're pulling off. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I read with interest uh, some comments from Henrik Lundqvist. Um, and I think it might have been Larry Brooks who asked him, but uh, so I'll give you know, whatever credit it is. But, you get, but Henrik Lundqvist was asked this. And sometimes you know, goalies can be a bit prickly, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's a, you know like I'm sure that uh, it was Dave Riddich, I think, who was in that when he gave up the lacrosse goal. And, you know, I'm sure it must tick them off a little bit. And uh, and maybe, well, I watched that game. Was it Pekka? I think it was Pekka who was in for the Kachuk goal, right? So, yes. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. he might be a little bit annoyed, you know. But I don't think they're trying to show people up. And you know what? It's a, and I'm trying to – was it Eunice Donskoy from the Sharks in his early, early in his career? It might have been his rookie team. He scored a between-the-legs goal – and people were outraged, you know, like Don Cherry and that, you know, like the, the, the usual suspects were outraged that somehow they were showing people up. I, like, you don't hear that now, or at least I think you hear much less of that. And thank goodness, right? I mean, is you know, is Matthew Kachuk trying to embarrass Pecorino? No, he's trying to score a goal in one of the wackiest games you'll, you'll see. Svechnikov is, you know, what's, what's he, he wants to score a game-winning goal, right? And so he's not like, well, okay, what's the, this notion that somehow it is uh, not within the culture of hockey. I'm glad we seem to be moving beyond that because I, and I think Henry Glenquist was saying, these kids have the, a, a rare level of skill and confidence to be able to try those shots. Why not, right? Why wouldn't you want to see that? If you, you've got money and you're sitting in, you know, whether you're at Bridgestone or at the, what do they call the, we're in Raleigh now, whatever the, whatever that PNC arena, whatever it is, man, you, when you walk out of that door at the end of the day, you're like, I'm never glad I paid 150 bucks or whatever I paid for that ticket. Like, who wouldn't want to see that? So I'd like to think that we're moved beyond this sort of archaic, oh, you know, that's, that's not sportsmanship or whatever it is. Like, that's, that argument is garbage. And I'll bring on more of those goals for me. I, you know, I'm happy to watch them all day long. Scott Burnside is with us from The Athletic talking all things hockey here on Darren, Donick, and Chase. And uh, as you can imagine, Scott, we had a busy Tuesday last week when it was announced that Roman Yossi had signed his new contract uh, with the team to remain here for eight years, just north of $9 million per. What did you think? You think uh, that was the right deal? I think $9 million was pretty much what everybody was, was hovering around, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not at all surprised by it. And you know, it's, I think it's interesting because, um, and I think it just is a reflection of how important Roman Yossi is to this team. And, you know, David Poyle's been very cautious about um, not, 
you know, handing out no move, no trade clauses. That's so that's been the natural way, right? There is a there is a natural way that things have been done, and it's it has you know hasn't yielded a Stanley Cup yet, but it has it has made the Predators, I think, one of the model franchises in the NHL. So, um, you know, for him to you know to come you know to meet Roman Yossi, and you know maybe it wasn't quite as much money as Roman Yossi's camp wanted to begin with. Um, but I think it, it showed a, you know, sort of a, uh, a meeting in the middle of the road uh, and a contract that reflects his importance to this team. And I, like I get it, people immediately say, well, wouldn't it, it wouldn't have been better to sign him to a, a six-year deal, right? Oh, yeah, of course. But that's not how it works, right? He doesn't, Roman Yossi signs what he wants to sign. And if he didn't sign the eight-year deal in Nashville, he'd have signed the seven times 11 or whatever, you know, whatever the number was going to be if he hits the open market. It's just, that's just the reality of it. And yes, by the end of that contract, um, you know, you hope he stays healthy and you hope he remains productive for the entire eight years. Um, maybe it won't work out that way. Um, but I'll tell you, this he gives this team a good chance to win a Stanley Cup <clears throat> and maybe more than one. And at the end of the day, if you have to suffer through two or three years, you know, you look around the NHL, Brent Seabrook's a different kind of player, but, you know, obviously Brent Seabrook's at the end of, not even at the end, but he's coming to a point in his career where it's hard for him to stay in the lineup. But I don't think you'd have anyone in Chicago trading those three Stanley Cups to get out from underneath that deal. And uh, I would argue that um, Roman Yossi has the ability to make this team a Stanley Cup contender. Um, I would think every year for the next four or five years, maybe beyond that, and I'm not sure what else you can ask for, and that's just what the market will bear. And that's, uh, you know, I, I, I think it. I, my guess is that both sides are going to be extremely happy with this deal um, for the foreseeable future. I asked David Poyle this question on Tuesday when we had a chance to talk to him after the deal had been announced, that because he mentioned in his press conference very early on that you know Roman Yossi was in contention to win the Norris Trophy and and be the first time that a defenseman had won that particular trophy for Nashville and I think a lot of us that have been around the sport and and I won't speak for you but kind of were surprised that Shea Weber never won it during his time here but I, I brought up to him that I feel like the organization as a whole has put themselves in a better position to allow these players to win these individual awards because they're being successful they're going to Stanley Cup finals and now more around the national media and more around the entire landscape of the NFL are very familiar with players like Roman Yossi, Pecorino, who won the Vesna, and, and, you know, others like that. Yeah, I, I think there is. You know what? I, I, mean, I think your, your comments are fair, right? I mean, you know, Drew Doughty's got a reputation. He's got a profile. Does that affect the voting? Um, has it affected it? I, you know, yeah, I think you can argue that, you know, should Shea Weber have won a Norris during his time in Nashville? Maybe. I look back, though, that, you know, we don't often, we don't get it wrong very often, I, I think. And, and I know that as a former uh, president of the PHWA, and that's the group that organizes the voting for the major awards, uh, although not the Jack Adams and not the Vesna, but the rest of them, um, the PHWA does. And the voting pool is deep and wide, and it reflects all kinds of, geographic uh, elements <clears throat> so it's not a you know it's not just the guys in Toronto voting right like it's so it is right. I like to think that the, the the PHWA has done a really nice job of making sure that the best people possible are voting so but to your point I think that's fair I mean you know people 
people get a profile because they're good players. It doesn't necessarily, you know, it, maybe it's harder in Arizona or in Nashville, or maybe it was harder in Nashville in the past than it is now. But the profile of that of that franchise is much higher because the team has been very successful and they've done the, the, the right things in putting together a Stanley Cup contender and pretty much every year and what, you know, what's nine of 10 years in the playoffs or whatever the number is. That, that's why people pay attention to the team. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Roman Yossi fits. I, I will say in terms of the Norris and the Preds, you know, one of the issues that confronts them and they, it's still a factor, even with Weber and K. Subban gone and, uh, before that, Ryan Suter is that you have so many darn good defensemen, it, it does create it does create some issues for voters, and I think that's that has maybe been a factor in the past. Scott, we always appreciate the visit. Thanks as always, and uh, we'll talk to you soon down the road. All right, anytime, guys. Scott Burnside, his work can be found at the Athletic. We'll come back more of Darren Donick and Chase on the other side. ESPN one hundred two five. The game. Are we doing silly underdog picks already? I went on with morning drive today. First thing out of the gates, Nick Kale was like, oh, man, so close with Virginia Tech. I was like, yeah. I felt of, so bad for you. It's kind of my season in a nutshell. I mean, I 17 and a half points. I want to beat you, but I felt bad for you. I legit felt bad. They were up 20 to 14 late in the fourth quarter and fell 21 to 20 to Notre Dame. Who makes Pete Weber happy? Didn't make yeah. me happy. But Willie Donick is indeed on the line. We just had a good conversation with Scott Burnside, who covers the league for the Athletic. And tonight it is the Predators and the Red Wings. Six o'clock puck drop. I'll have pregame for you at five. And everything heard right here on 102.5 The Game. Willie, what's up? Well, guys, greetings from the uh, Motor City, Mm -hmm. where it is a nice day here in Detroit. Uh, Is it? Yesterday was beautiful. Really? Yesterday was absolutely beautiful. Today it's a little cloud cover, but a nice crisp day. And uh, ready for hockey tonight. Well, what is the temperature currently? Uh, I have not checked recently, but I, I would have to say uh, 40s. Okay. In the 40s. I'll probably take that this time of year. Yeah, not bad at all. Are you going to see snow in Denver? Do you know? Have you checked? I have 52 degrees and uh, mostly cloudy. Oh, they'll take that Detroit. all day in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I, I have not checked. Uh, I know last week we were talking about this. There was a storm in Colorado that had ice and snow everywhere and the temperature got down to eight degrees. But uh, I, I got to see a little bit of the Broncos game yesterday. Just to, at the end of the game, they switched from uh, the uh, – after the Packers-Chargers game was over, they went – we saw the end of the Browns-Broncos mm-hmm. game. It looked fine. looked like it was not anything out of the ordinary. It changes a lot out there. So I, you never know what you're going to get in Denver. But uh, as you guys know, I'm coming home uh, for – a day, day and a half before going out there. So uh, we'll we'll see. It could probably change two or three times between now and and the game time the game is played on Thursday. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we have a mutual friend who's a diehard Browns fan that that likes to text the two of us a lot, but it seems to be pretty quiet because um, he's a big Browns <laughs> fan. It seems to be kind of his text messages have kind of gone away. We were receiving about forty a day, and they don't seem to be coming in. As much or yeah, the ratio at all has gone down. Yeah, the ratio has gone way yeah, down. It's gone way, way down. Um, what this is going to be a long road trip. Well, like you said, though, you're going to actually come back. Uh, you'll you'll join us tomorrow later in the show, and then be here Wednesday on the show before heading back out on the road trip. But uh, this is a long one. Uh, they won't be back home until 
not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. So that's the next home game at Bridgestone Arena. Obviously, Saturday was was not good against the Rangers uh, after a tough loss on Thursday night. What do you think is the mindset going into this long road trip? I think uh, I think it's trying to shore up some of the details. I, I think in a game against the Rangers, when you did not take advantage uh, of some of the weaknesses that the Rangers have, namely youth, right? There's a lot of young players on the Rangers. Uh, I think they felt like they created enough opportunities to score and just for whatever reason did not uh, were not locked in on the target, missed the net a few times, had some shots blocked, uh, just didn't quite click. And you're still right in the hockey game, but uh, they had a couple of self-inflicted wounds that uh, that led to the Rangers' two goals. Just little things that sometimes they burn you, sometimes they don't. And in a game like Saturday's, they did. And so lesson hopefully learned because uh, tonight they're playing a team that has really struggled mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Detroit Red Wings, but a team that beat them in some of the same fashion, right, way back at the beginning of the season where they, the Predators took the game to the Red Wings. They dominated it statistically, but they got caught uh, maybe trying to do a little bit too much, and it, it turned back around the other way with some odd man rushes that the Red Wings cashed in on. You're right, uh, Detroit off to a four ten and one start, just nine points on the season. But they're one of those weird stats that you brought up for whatever reason. Uh, in the last six years, they've not had any luck against the Red Wings at all. So hopefully that all changes tonight. Now something that good, uh, something good that did come out of uh, a loss on Saturday was their lone goal was a power play goal, and so now nine of their fourteen games have resulted uh, in a power play goal, at least one, and that was the case again on Saturday afternoon as Victor Arvidsson netted the lone goal. The power play continues to to look good and and look good through 14 games. It's looked good. It it is – it looks very, very good compared to last year, right? I mean, it's worlds better. But still, you know, it's not like they're ranked fifth in the the league. There's still a lot of power plays that have been red hot – Early on, I think the most encouraging thing about the power play is that the underlying numbers that usually give you the best um, outlook of what it's going to be over the long haul are much, much improved. Uh, they're, they're getting more shots. Uh, in, you know, the numbers, numbers show this. They're getting way more shots per 60 minutes than they were last year. I was reading an article on this, and that is probably the best sign. Because how many times did you say last year, they're just not getting enough shots? Either they were passing up shots or they were not able to get set up in the zone so that they could start looking for shots. Uh, I think both areas are much better this year. And the results have been better, too. They also, I think, for the first time, I I was thinking uh, on Saturday, that was the first game in a while where they needed a power play goal and didn't get it. They they needed one to get back in the game, and Mm -hmm. they got it. But then they had three chances in the third period. I'm thinking, wow, the power play so far this year has been really good for them. They've been able to score in these situations, and they just they couldn't quite get one on Saturday to even the game up. But for the most part, they, they've been able to, to, to get the clutch ones, the timely ones, and that, that goes a long way too. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, they certainly had five cracks at it on Saturday, as you mentioned, three in the third, including uh, when you pull the goalie, a six-on-four situation late in the game to try to tie it up. They do have 10 power play goals on the season. As you said, it's not like they're top five. They're currently 19th in the league uh, 
running about an 18.5% clip with the extra man. But I will say this. When you said you brought up top five, I did join Morning Drive like I do every Monday at 9, and I asked Nick about his man crush on Dan Lambert and what it would – because they did have another power play goal and what that means. And he said he's going to get a tattoo of Dan Lambert if they finish in the top five. Now, he tried to backpedal in the next segment a little bit. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's been said. I mean, he put it out there. So he will have to get a tattoo if they do finish, indeed, in the top five. On his lower back. On his lower back. Yeah. Yeah. A Dan Lambert. Tattoo? A Lambert stamp is what it'll be. There you go. There you go. (laughs) He specified that. I I didn't realize if if you know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to get a tattoo. But it's a Dan Lambert tattoo on his back. If, if it's up, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. That well, what a what a compliment that would be. So they've got some work to do, but you know, I'm just saying they can just keep having success. Top five. That's the goal. <laughs> well, that's the goal for them. I mean, I, mean, I don't know for Nick. Will it, I don't really know. speechless. I mean, imagine, <laughs> imagine the motivation. Imagine the motivation in the Predators' locker room. If that could be the case. Well, they could I do like the movie ma- Yeah, like the ma- movie Major League. Have Nick up there and yeah. have just his back and you know, he could peel <laughs> away what the tattoo would look like on his back. <laughs> so, uh Willie did It look- worked for the Indians. <laughs> it did. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the uh the projected lineup tonight, it seems like status quo except for maybe the third pairing uh on defense. What do you think we see there? Well, I, I think it's a little premature to say that there would not be any changes. I, there were no line rushes at all. They didn't practice yesterday, and then there were no line rushes. They, they uh, had a full skate this morning but did not go through the line rushes. So I would not be 100% sure that they would be status quo. Now, they haven't called anybody up, so I think it will be the same players. The only question would be would there be a, a, a shuffle in the, in the combination of the lines. Well, do you think so there should I, be? I know we saw some problem. of that during the game. We, you know, we saw him moving some, some players around. Do you think that maybe that's what they need to do? Well, I mean, one notable thing that they did, and you guys talked about it there and after the game, is they put Philip Forsberg back with, with Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson to try to get things going. And it, uh, and I think they did push the pace some and, and got some chances. Philip Forsberg uh, has not scored since he's come back in. And so I think that's something that they would heavily weigh, right? If they're gonna, if they were gonna make a change, you might start there. So that would be something I think we're all looking for to see if that's what they go with, or do they go back with with Forsberg, with Duchesne, and and Grandland. Now Grandland's another guy that, you know, I think he's played pretty well. Uh, if you look at his analytics, you know, the possession numbers are good, the scoring chances are good, but he's got absolutely nothing. The show for it after a good start. He's gone what nine or ten games now without a point. So very mystifying. So that that's a. I think if you're Peter Laviolette, you're trying to figure out how do I push the buttons and get some of these guys back going again. Matt Duchesne hasn't hasn't done much since he's come back in after he missed the one game. So it's it's crazy how after two games, it's like this is a team that still is averaging close to four goals a game. That was the first kind first time all year long that they had been held under two goals in any one game. And you're sitting there going, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? They, they, their depth is still good enough to where they're getting offense, but there's some individual scores that you're thinking, okay, how do I spark this guy? Yeah, and I kind of look at this too of 
do they maybe experiment moving Kyle Turris up? Like we've discussed, you know, what, what it was going to look like when Forsberg came back. Do they put Jofa together, which we saw the other day that they did do that? You know, is this where maybe you try either Turris on the wing or you move Duchesne over to the wing and, and have Turris on with, with that line? And, you know, to your point that they didn't have line rushes, maybe they're discussing that. I don't know. I think that's an absolute, I think it's a astute point. I think uh, Kyle Turris would be on that list of guys that how do we get the most out of, out of their ability? How do we make the pieces fit? It's been a theme throughout the season that uh, with the, the extra centers that they have, every night they have to play a center on the wing, a guy who is probably more accustomed to playing center. So somebody's got to slide over or play in a position that maybe is not their best position. But uh, I remember we talked to Roman Yossi last week, and that's something that uh, I think as the captain he has to sort of keep the message going along with the coaching staff is, hey, guys, I know there's a lot of talented players on this team. There's probably a few guys that wouldn't mind playing a couple of more minutes. And maybe in another team, they would be playing a few more minutes or play on the power play as opposed to not playing on the power play. But they're going to have to put their egos aside for the good of the team here because of the depth. Because the depth is the biggest strength on this team, especially at forward. As we wrap this up, what did you make of the, the Winter Classic uh, jerseys that were unveiled Saturday morning? I like them. I, I, I wasn't sure. Uh, I was hearing whispers, you know, in the weeks leading up. I never got the chance to see it. But I was hearing whispers about think Dixie Flyers, and I, I was wondering, like, what does that mean? You know, what, what are they talking about when they say that? But uh, when I actually saw it, I was like, yeah, th- thumbs up. I, I, I think the script writing is a pretty unique thing. I heard you and Hal talking about it, and Hal, I like Hal's comment. He said, you know, they didn't try to do too much with it. It's pretty, it's pretty traditional. It's not too crazy. They didn't try to do too much on, 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 the, on the jersey. I think it's going to go over really, really well. The players really like them, too. Uh, we can't let him go, though, without asking, because we talked about it on the show Friday, and then it happened after the show, about Carlos Beltran. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, you know, I didn't realize that Carlos Beltran was on the Astros when they won the World Series mm-hmm. a couple years ago. That he was still hanging around playing. Then I, I thought it had been another year or two since he had actually been a been an active player. But 2017 uh, was his last year. Yeah, so he is he is hardly removed from from the big field. You talk about a wild card, and then you know that's typical Mets, right? You just never know what to, what you're going to get there. I hear so many great things about people that have played with Carlos Beltran, whether it was with the Mets or with another team. They all say really, really great things about him as a person and as a guy they love playing with, how astutely he watched the game. Now, what does all that mean when he actually takes over and starts managing? Who knows, right? But uh, when you hire a guy that's never managed before, that's what you get. But they think he's got all the makings. We'll, we'll find out about how he works in all the analytics and all the, all the things that come from above him now, which all modern managers have to deal with. But uh, intriguing, for sure. See, I thought he, he where you're going. Once upon a time. Yep, no doubt. He made a lot of money. Uh, I thought where you're going when hearing the whispers on the Dixie Flyers that they were going to wear that uniform and play a game at Municipal Auditorium. I thought those were the whispers you were hearing, but I guess that's not going to happen. I don't know if you guys saw the clip. Did you guys see the clip? They showed a clip of the Dixie Flyers playing. 
and it really dawned on me how similar, how exactly the same municipal auditorium looks. <laughs> now, what, you thought it would look there. different? <laughs> no, but it's, I mean, it's exactly the same. It, it's a, like there's been very little yeah. modernization or renovation, whatever you want to call it. Of course, the film was in black and white, so I'm sure it was a lot newer <laughs> looking. But you know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's a very traditional-looking building that's pretty much been intact since whatever year that was built, 1960-something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they what was their first season in 62, right, Flyers? Yeah, so that's like right after the building opened. Yeah, no right? doubt. Yep, no doubt. Um, go have fun. Have some Little Caesars pizza. I'm sure that's what the, that'll be the meal, pregame meal, Little Caesars Probably. pizza. Yeah. You know what? It is true. You know, you might think this. There is Little Caesars Pizza available at all times. I you bet. Go Little Caesars Arena. No. Yeah, it's it's everywhere you go. That would make sense. You want sense. a slice? They got it for you. I like it. Enjoy the game. We'll see you tomorrow. You will. You will. Hopefully sooner than later. I'll, I'll, as soon as I get off the plane, we'll make. I'll make my way over and we'll have some fun. Sounds good. Willie Donnie, see you up in day. Detroit. Predators and Red Wings tonight. At 6 o'clock pregame at 5 right here on 102.5 The Game. We will come back and put a bow. There's a big game in Tuscaloosa this Saturday afternoon. Alabama hosting LSU. That is going to be a big one. Hey, if you think you're the biggest Bama fan out there, you you have a chance to win a cabin on the Crimson Tide Cruise. That'll be February 10th through the 15th. The second annual Crimson Tide Cruise will set sail from New Orleans to Cozumel, on to Mexico, on board the Carnival Valor. It's the national champion-worthy vacation with your favorite Alabama sports legends on board. Send us a picture by Twitter using the hashtag BamaCruise, hashtag BamaCruise, or upload a picture at thegamenashville.com. You can book your cruise at crimsontidecruise.com and get $150 off with the promo code GAME. Promo code GAME. That's how you do that. Sign up. I know a couple of people that would probably like to be on that cruise. Yeah. Well, I know. You know that. I know a couple. side of the family. There's some yeah. big Bama fans. I know. I heard your son saying something on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. A little RTR. Yeah. Still working on that. Yeah. Well, good luck. Because <laughs> he's getting it from all angles in the uh, SEC. I know. Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama. I can understand how that's a confused eight-year-old. He's got a lot going on when it comes to that department and getting pulled all over the place. So how do you think that game's going to play? I mean, like I said, we, we passed along earlier. Nick Saban said two is a game-time decision. I don't think anybody believes that, that to be true. I, I can't imagine Tua not being under center for that game. I, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be 100%, but... He's playing. A less than 100% Tua is still good enough. How, how do you see that going playing out? I, the last few weeks. What, have, what is the line, by the way? I haven't looked. That's, that's what I'm. I haven't even looked. That's what I'm stalling to uh, to pull up. Um, I The last few weeks I have been leaning towards LSU. That I just think top to bottom, the way they've played this year, that LSU is a better team. Um, I know that's. Crazy to say with what we've seen in Tuscaloosa. Uh, the line is Bama by six and a half. Mm. Opened at seven. I think LSU on the money line was plus 220. I saw on SportsCenter up uh, here. All over that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty hefty. You. That's pretty hefty. I'd be all over that. Um, That's pretty good value. I know it's honest. An, 
It's in Tuscaloosa. I just I think LSU, you know, with Tua not being a hundred percent, he's going to play, but with him not being a hundred percent, I think that helps. And just the way LSU's offense has worked this year. Uh Joe Burrow is showing, you know, he he's proving everybody wrong and he's starting to move up draft rankings. I just like them a little bit better. I think it's gonna be a shootout. It wouldn't shock me at all if you know what wh- whoever ends up winning, if it's gonna be a last second drive and in one of those that the game comes down comes down to that but i just i'm gonna stand by lsu i just think this could be their year and it's going to be interesting to see how the committee views this game because i have a feeling they're all going to be watching this game when it comes to playoff time because uh, you know a shot at atlanta is on the line uh, that the winner of this game most likely wins the west goes to atlanta and and then plays for the sec title game or the SEC title, but I um, I'm curious to see like if it's because you brought this up. If it comes down to overtime or last minute and it's it's a close game, you know, is that going to factor in in the loser getting into the playoffs? Even if you know, depending on how the SEC title game goes, I, I still think there's a chance that both of these teams make the playoff. So, um, do you know the two out of the last three years? Here's a stat for you. Two out of the last three years, you know what's happened in this game? I don't. Max, you have an answer. Two out of the last three years, what's happened blowouts, in this game? Haven't they? I don't know. I'm curious to see where you're going with this. Uh, Alabama's pitched a shutout in this game. I was going to guess LSU, two out of the LSU last didn't three score years. an offensive touchdown. Wow. Yeah. Two out of the last further. three years has been a shutout. I would be very, very surprised if that happened. I'm going to go ahead and say I, I, that's I probably not I, going to happen. I can't imagine. In fact, I think it's going to be just the opposite. I think it's got a shot to be a shootout. Yeah. I mean, not in the 50s, but I'm saying 30s. Right? Yeah. Could I think you, that's, could you, that's right. Could you see 38-35? I could totally see that. I could, too. With these two offenses? 42-35? Yeah. I could absolutely and like i said i i think it's a it definitely comes down to the last play i mean i think it's gonna be back and forth and then you know if bama gets the ball with two minutes three minutes left then i just cheated what what because i wanted to know what's the over under as we're sitting here throwing out scores you know what the over under is don't look i mean i i, oh, you I, had, I had already seen it 64 and a half yeah but i just wanted to pass along two out of the last three years Shut out. 64 and a half. I, Alabama went into Baton Rouge and won 29 nothing last year. And LSU won 10 games last season. Yeah. And then the year before, what was the score? Uh, the, well, the year before was in. Because LSU wasn't very good either. 24 to 10 in Tuscaloosa. But then the year prior. Wow. Is that right? The two shutouts were in Baton Rouge. Really? 10 nothing. by the way. Yeah, now I remember it was low scoring. Both shutouts were at LSU. How about that? That's even so more So in the impressive. last three years, LSU has scored 10 points. That is correct. That is correct. The last three years, that game, LSU has put up 10 mm. points. Well, I'm going to say this. I think that it's a completely different offense now. They'll probably put up 10 in the first yeah. quarter. Yeah. Or They'll put up 10 at least in the first half for sure. I just, I don't know. There's just, 
That line and that line too. Does that does that not surprise you a little bit? Six and a half. No, it do, it doesn't. What surprised me? In I what thought way? it would be closer. I thought it'd be like three and a half. Oh no 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 no. Even though it's in Tuscaloosa, I just. I don't know. By the way, uh, Georgia favored by six and a half over Florida. Mm, yeah. And what do we say? I'm pick six. Yeah, Vegas what, what something. Say? Whenever you go, why, why? Why is that line? Yeah. Like, why is Georgia that much? F- they're favored by six and a half? Like, I thought it would be like three and a half. Why is it six and a half? Uh, what Georgia win by? Seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hence why I took Georgia yeah. in pick six. They know. I'm, I'm just telling you. It do, the minute you think something doesn't look right, there's a reason. I don't know why. how Vegas knows, but they... They tend to know stuff. Are we going to one day find out that somebody in Vegas has a, they have the DeLorean? No. No. (laughs) They have the DeLorean. The Almanac. The Almanac. Boy, I'd love to have that Almanac. Uh, Well, I wouldn't be on the show. Just once. I'd move out to Vegas. I know, right? Just make all of our money out there. By the way, uh, Vanderbilt is down in the swamp. That game is at 11 o'clock. That line is 25. Mm-hmm. Florida by 25 over Vanderbilt. Yep. Did you see where Western Kentucky is this weekend? I did not. Are they favored? They, boy, that's, hold on. That is a really good, no, there's no way. Oh, oh but the line is two and a half. They're at Arkansas. We should probably Arkansas, say that. Arkansas, just, just. Really? Soak if you're an Arkansas fan, just think about this. Hey, Western's pretty good, man. I understand that, but they're going to Fayetteville to take on Arkansas, and Arkansas. The Razorbacks are favored by two and a half. Mississippi State just beat Arkansas by thirty plus in Fayetteville this week, right? Didn't they end up winning that game by more than thirty? It was brutal. Oh, Arkansas is brutal. Yeah, they're favored. At home over Western Kentucky by two and a half. Wow. We'll see who if that uh, doesn't if that doesn't put Arkansas football in check or in perspective of where it is today, just think about that out loud. And I don't I'm not trying to disrespect Western Kentucky, but I don't care what year it is. Western Kentucky football on the road at Fayetteville, you don't ever think they're gonna be a two and a half point underdog. No. To an SEC school. Chad Morris having people transferring out left and right in Arkansas and his most recent former employer doing pretty well for themselves in Dallas. SMU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that, I don't think He's going to, yeah. As that's going to end that's poorly. Gonna, By the way, I think you're going to get the same thing in Arkansas that you got in Tallahassee this weekend. Yeah, he left us no choice. Yeah. That's probably what their words are going to be. They're yeah, going to be Yeah, he left openings. us no choice. Yeah. Right, because that... Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like left they us him, no choice to pay him they, seventeen million 17 to go million, away. Right, seventeen point seven million to go away. He left us no choice. I don't wow. feel sorry for him. At all. Wow, it is closing time. That'll do it for Monday, uh, Monday's edition of Darren Donnie and Chase. One day, one day, it is one day. It's Monday. Have a great rest of your day. We will be back at it tomorrow morning at ten a.m. We look forward to talking to you then. Stay tuned. Jared and the GM is next. call for alcohol so finish your whiskey or beer 
closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay here On Monday's edition of Darren, Donick, and Chase, next.